The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You'll recall earlier this week, on Monday, in fact, we were at Santa's Anonymous, uh, 630 Chad, Santa's Anonymous Depot, and we were talking about Scott Bissell. He was a fellow who, from Vernon who flew to Orlando uh, from Kelowna. He discovered his luggage was missing, and the conversation turned to passengers' rights, uh, specifically with regard to lost or damaged luggage. And I said that I'd follow up on the conversation to answer all the questions, and there was a lot of them, that we received on our text line. So for that, I reached out to Air Passenger Rights, an independent nonprofit network of volunteers. It's spearheaded and coordinated by Gabby Lukacs, and he joins me on the line now. Hey, Gabby. Good afternoon. Great to have you on the show again. I thought, you know, we had you a time or two before, and I thought we'd asked you everything we could, uh, but it turns out a lot of people want to know about luggage. So I mentioned, as you heard off the top, Scott Bissell, and this is a guy who went down to Florida and then found out uh, his bags were not with him, and he contacted Air Canada Baggage, uh, Air Canada being the airline in this case, and he was told there was no compensation available. First of all, is that true? And secondly, how often does that happen? In this case, Air Canada lied to the passenger. A passenger whose baggage goes missing is entitled to compensation on international travel up to $2,100 Canadian dollars. They can go out and incur reasonable out-of-pocket expenses, and the airline will have to reimburse the passenger up to $2,100 for flights for travel entirely in Canada that limit is $1,500. What happened to that passenger is unfortunately not unique. It is a common practice of Air Canada and of other airlines as well to lie to passengers, to tell them that they are not entitled to compensation simply because that way the passenger is scarce to incur expenses and then there's nothing to reimburse. I see. So, uh, you know, the question I got asked, and I honestly didn't know the answer to it on Monday, and I'm assuming you do, I understand the word reasonable, but I don't know what an airline considers reasonable. So is there guidelines to how much, for example, you can spend on day one or how many days to get to that either 1,500 domestically or 2,100 internationally? So first of all, it's not a question of what the airline thinks. It's a question of what the judge thinks. The airline's opinion here is entirely irrelevant to whether expenses are immaterial. The airline can think whatever it wants. But as long as a judge thinks that it is, it is reasonable, then you will be reimbursed. In practical terms, um, it depends on the purpose of your trip. If you were going to a business meeting and your baggage delayed even by as little as 12 hours, but you need, you need a suit right away, then you can and will be reimbursed for uh, incurring $800 for buying a new suit. If you are going to a wedding and you need certain attire, you can rent or buy whatever you need. If you're going on vacation and you need items for your vacation, you can go and buy whatever you need reasonably. Obviously, we're not talking about buying uh, diamonds, buying jewelry, unless you can really very, very, very well justify why you need it for the purpose of your trip. But clothing items, medication that you had in your baggage, um, gifts that you brought, they're all well within reasonable um parameters, and the airline will be on the uh, on the hook for the bill. And that's as a result of something called the Montreal Convention, right? Yes, the Montreal Convention governs international travel, but the same principles apply also for domestic travel, in which case currently the limit is still a bit lower than the Montreal Convention for Air Canada. Some airlines, like WestJet, would provide $2,100 in domestic travel as well.
Okay, so before we get to how an individual that wants to pursue this claim does it exactly and what they do when they hit a roadblock, and let me just clarify a couple of points. And again, these were questions asked by our listeners when the conversation came up. So one of the questions, and it's a good one, when we're talking about the replacement of items uh, and the expense associated with it, does that also include if I have to take a cab back to the airport or if I have to park my car at the airport or if I have to incur some other expense, perhaps long-distance phone call charges for my hotel room. Does that include those items? Yes. The, the difficult uh, issue is the long-distance phone calls or uh, taking a cab if necessary. Those are all part and parcel of the expenses that you incur because your baggage is delayed and the airline is on the hook for that. Okay, and then another question, and I assume I know the answer, but I hate to assume. One of our listeners wanted to know um, if this were the same rules, do the same rules apply when it's a charter, like a Sunwing or, you know, one of these charter vacations, do the same rules apply as they would for a commercial uh, airline? Sunwing is still a commercial airline, and actually it mostly operates scheduled uh, travel. So just because they call themselves charter doesn't make any difference. Moreover, when you come to the Montreal Convention, it applies to all international travel, regardless of what is the actual arrangement. Even if they were to transport you for free, it would still apply. Okay. So now, I, I, I'm curious, as were our listeners as well, that you have an individual in this case, and this is what launched the story on Monday, Scott Bissell, uh, who phones Air Canada's baggage handling and says, you've lost my luggage and I need to uh, buy some items uh, for my vacation. And Air Canada says, compensation not available. So as an average person, what's your next step? You phone the airline and they say, no, now what? I think the first mistake was at that point to phone the airline and ask whether you're owed compensation. <laughs> well, what I would do in such a situation is just report the baggage missing and get a baggage irregularity report upon arrival and then go shopping. I don't need the airline's permission. I don't need the airline's authorization to incur reasonable expenses. Once I get my baggage, then within 21 days, I make a written request to the airline that they comply with the Montreal Convention and pay me compensation. And I would attach photocopies, not originals, of the receipts of the expenses incurred. If the airline still refuses to pay after 30 days, uh, then uh, file a small claim in your provincial small claims court. And is there any timeline for how quickly an airline should be compensating a passenger, assuming you're home now, you've submitted the receipts, you've done everything you're supposed to do? Are they under any kind of time constraint to, to compensate you? The law does not set out a fixed time, but 30 days is assumed to be a standard. I would certainly demand that the airline respond within 30 days, and if they don't, then I would file the court papers, and at that point, the airline will also be on hook for your court fees. So uh, at that point, it's no longer the $2,100, but $2,100 plus the court fees. All right. Now, you mentioned a moment ago that it's not up to the airline to decide what's reasonable it's up to a judge and that sort of made hairs on the back of my neck stand up this really shouldn't result in appearing before a judge should it i mean what is the process typically 
Well, in, in when I say judge, it may be a small claims court adjudicator, if, if it sounds better. But uh, quite often what happens is that once you file a small claim and you have a court date set, then the airline realizes that they don't have a case and they settle with you or they just pay. Even in those cases, I recommend passengers not to agree to any kind of confidentiality uh, clauses, but rather tell the airline either pay or come to court. Interesting. But hopefully, of course, it doesn't come to that. You put in the claim, you say you want this compensated under the Montreal Convention, and they cut a check, hopefully. That is how things are supposed to work, and that is how drafters of the convention intended things to work. The problem is that airlines have a significant financial interest in not paying those claims, and as long as many people don't pursue their rights, this behavior will continue. The part of the problem is that the government watchdog, the Canadian Transportation Agency, is turning a blind eye to this kind of fraudulent behavior of airlines. Well, that's so exactly normally- what I wanted to ask you about next, Gabby, is that we have the Canadian Transportation Agency, and they are empowered to fine airlines for not adhering uh, to policies like this. So do they fine airlines? Unfortunately, to this date, not a single fine has been issued for airlines for misleading the public. So this type of uh, false, fraudulent, misleading information that Air Canada was giving to this passenger is, even though the maximum penalty for it would be $25,000, airlines can uh, make those kind of statements without facing any consequence with impunity. The problem is that we have a Canadian transportation agency that is in bed with the airlines. One of the members, the people who made decisions, the Canadian Transportation Agency, is actually married to a lawyer who is on the airline's payroll. Gotcha. Okay, so one of our listeners today wants to know, does everything you're talking about, the compensation, apply also and equally to oversized bags? For example, if you were flying with a hockey bag and it gets lost, would that same $2,100 limit apply because the equipment within that bag could be worth more than that? The same limit would apply, although you can make before you check in what is called an excess value declaration, when you have to pay a small additional fee to the airline and you declare that what is inside has a higher value. In case of Air Canada, the maximum you can declare is $2,500, which is not much. Wedges would allow you to declare up to $3,000 of value. Beyond that, if you have, if you carry something which, you know, many, many thousands of dollars of value, insurance is the way to go. Okay, we're talking to uh, Gabby Lukacs, a Canadian air passenger rights advocate. You're out of Halifax, aren't you, Gabby? That's right. Do do they roll their eyes when you check in for a flight? No, actually, typically people come up to me and uh, tell me uh, that, uh, well, I would get fired for this, but actually we support what you do. Ah. So uh, here in Halifax, what I like about it, many of the things I like about Halifax is that the people separate between their jobs and their personal views, and of course, in their jobs, they have to toe the company line, but, you know, deep inside, they know what the company is doing is wrong. Interesting. So another question that was uh, raised uh, on Monday when we first discussed this, I wanted to get your view on it, was uh, it, it, with regard to damaged luggage as, as opposed to lost luggage. So do this, uh, what applies to that if you get your bag and, you know, it's just been damaged? The Montreal Convention applies. You have to report in writing to the airline the damage within seven days of receiving your baggage. And the airline is liable up to $2,100 to the damage to your baggage or its content. You can take it to have it repaired if you want. If the airline may offer you to have it repaired by its own shop, I usually recommend passengers to have 
their own repair person. And if the baggage is not repairable, get documentation that it's not repairable. And then uh, actually all you need to do is to send their line the proof that it's not repairable and they bill the receipt for replacement and their line will have to pay you. Okay, now I, I this may have changed over the years, but years ago I had that same situation, a damaged suitcase, and I did reach out to the airline involved and they said, well, it's not our baggage handlers, you should talk to the airport. It doesn't, it, this is another airline lie. Um, the airline is liable for damage to your baggage from the moment you hand it over to them until the moment you get it back. Legally, it is the first airline and the last airline that handles your baggage, which is liable. So if you have, say, three airlines and touching your baggage, the first and the last are jointly and severally liable. If they have a problem with the airport, they can talk to the baggage handlers themselves. As far as you are concerned, the airline's feet and hands are those baggage handlers. They are agents for the airline and therefore they're liable if your baggage is broken or damaged. Good stuff. Last question for you, Gabby, before I let you go. Uh, what about your rights with regard to items stolen from luggage? An item stolen is the form of loss of baggage, the same limit apply, with the difference that if you can show, for example, through a video footage from the airport security camera, that the theft was happening actually uh, as a result of gross negligence or willful misconduct of the airline, then you can actually hold the airline liable for an unlimited amount. So um, if it was an airline employee, for example, or if, it, if they just they left your baggage unattended, and uh, as a result of it being unattended, someone picked it up, that would fall under those criteria. The airline is liable for it. They love to claim that you should go to the police, but actually the principle remains the same. From the moment you hand over your back to the airline until the moment they put it back into your hands, deliver it to your hands, the airline is liable to for whatever happens to your baggage. Good stuff. Gabby, if people want more information about what you do or what their rights are, what's the website for them to go to? The website is airpassengerrights, all in one word, .ca. We also have a Facebook group and a Twitter feed. Excellent stuff. Gabby Lou Katch, a Canadian Air Passenger Rights Advocate. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for clearing this up for us. Thank you very much for having me. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.